Well, listen, uh, probably not a good segue from something funny like that to this, but on a more serious note, uh, before we get into the message today, I just wanted to encourage you guys. I, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, and honestly, I had not been paying very much attention until just the last couple of days. It kind of finally got on my radar, but... Our uh, brothers and sisters in Iraq are uh, facing persecution that is just really unbelievable. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to uh, regularly, consistently lift them up uh, in your prayers and ask for God's intervention in that situation. Ask for wisdom for uh, our nation's leaders if there's anything at this point that can be done. Uh, but, but most of all, just to pray for strength and comfort and protection uh, a change in that situation, and I uh, just encourage you to do that. In fact, let's just right now just go to the Lord together and uh, just uh, just pray uh, for those. Uh, feel free to pray out loud if you want or just say amen to what I pray, but let's, uh, let's pray. God, we ask right now uh, in the name of Jesus that you would uh, just uh, come to the aid of our brothers and sisters in Iraq. God, we pray that you would intervene in their situation. Uh, we pray, God, that, uh, that you would change the dynamics in that country and you would allow them to once again, Lord, be able to be safe and, and to be able to worship you. And, uh, God, we just pray for those who have so many who have lost loved ones. Uh, we ask that you comfort them. We ask that you give them your peace that passes understanding. Uh, we ask, God, that you would just um, provide for them what... No human being can provide that only you can provide it for them, God, and just uh, sustain and strengthen, and uh, we trust you for that, God. Please change the situation there, and uh, just help our brothers and sisters, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Third John, we'll look there here in just uh, a few minutes. You can hold your place there, and I apologize to those of you who have been with us for quite a while here at the church, you may have heard this story that I'm opening with uh, on a number of occasions, but there are a lot of folks here who have not heard it, so uh, I think it's a great story, so I'm sharing it again. Uh, Michelle and I were once invited to the home of a couple. Uh, this was before we lived in Patascala, and actually the, the couple were in Patascala, but that's all I'm saying. Um, we were invited to their home to discuss with them the possibility of having them host a small group that we were going to be leading. And so they set the time that we were to come and visit with them at their house. They indicated that we'd be having dinner to, uh, together. And they assured us that they were looking forward to our visit. So we drove a rather long distance from the area we lived in in Columbus at the time to their home. Uh, we arrived right on time, and we went up to their front door, and we knocked, and no one came to the door. We knocked again, and still no one came to the door. We knocked a third time, and we waited some more. You know how if you've ever had a similar situation, you start talking to yourself and saying, did we, did we mess this up? Did we, get the, did we get the time and the date wrong? I mean, they said their house, right? I mean, it's, we're here to talk about a small group. I know we were to meet at their house. Well, finally, we started to hear some shuffling in the house. You know, the kind of noise that you hear when you, you think someone is about to acknowledge your presence. And, and so, so the shuffling got closer to the front door. And finally, the husband of the house 
opened the front door and greeted us with a tone of voice that suggested that he was totally surprised to see us standing uh, in front of him. Uh, But in spite of his surprise, he let us in. It's very kind of him. Uh, We sat down in the living room and we started talking very awkwardly with no reference at all to where his wife was, who we had not yet seen or heard. After a few minutes of this awkward discussion, the gentleman informed us that his wife was napping, but she would be out soon. We were feeling very loved and welcomed in this home. (laughs) Another five to ten minutes passed, and finally she appeared in the hallway, stretching, as people often do when they're trying to shake off a nap, uh, yawning as she was stretching, and as she reached the living room, she greeted us between yawns. I'd like to imitate it, but I would be too embarrassed to uh, show you uh, what it looked like. She and her husband then started having a conversation about whether or not there was anything in the refrigerator that they might be able to prepare us for dinner before they decided that it would be best if we all just went out for dinner. I thought you would be laughing. I guess you're just appalled. So, uh, Needless to say, we opted not to have our small group hosted by these folks. And needless to say, these folks did not have the gift of hospitality. But it should be said that one does not have to have the gift of hospitality to practice hospitality. These folks not only did not have the gift of hospitality, they were not willing to be hospitable. So we had a wonderful dinner. Well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. I do think, even though the dinner we ended up having out was not very good, I'm pretty confident it's better than what we would have had if we had stayed at the house. So I should just be thankful. If we understand the Bible correctly, an inhospitable Christian should be as much of a contradiction as a lying Christian, a cheating Christian or any other sinful thing you might want to attach there. So today we are concluding our look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're looking at this book of 3rd John. It's a book of the Bible that only has 14 verses. And it was written uh, to a man named Gaius, and was written in large part to commend Gaius and another man named Demetrius for the hospitality that they had shown to Christian missionaries who came to their area. As I mentioned last week in the message briefly, hospitality was a big deal uh, to the early church. It is a big deal in the New Testament, and it remains a big deal today. Christians are to be hospitable people. And, And Christian hospitality really, I think we underestimate it, but it really can be a life changing ministry that we practice. If we will value it as we should and if we would practice it as we should. So here's something that I hope at the end of the day we'll come away with. If we are interested in impacting the lives of people for Jesus, there are few more effective ways to do it than through showing hospitality uh, to folks. Christian brothers and sisters are blessed when we show hospitality to them. 
And those who are far from God can experience the welcome and love of God through us when we open up our arms and we welcome and receive them. So let's read our text, and then we're going to spend a few minutes on this topic uh, of hospitality. I'll read verses 1 through 14. Uh, You follow along as I do. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. You get the feeling that John really did not like writing letters. I mean, last week we read, I have much to write you, but I do not want to use pen and ink. And here we see it again. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use pen and ink. And I can relate to John. Because if I'm going to write a letter, it takes me about three hours to write two paragraphs if anyone is to read it. I have to, like, take both hands and form the letters correctly. So I relate to John. Anybody else not like to write letters? All right. I don't know why I'm talking about this. So let's move on. So the context here is that Gaius has been showing hospitality to Christian missionaries traveling in his area. These are the brothers that are referenced in verse 3. And so the first thing that I want us to note is that John is commending Gaius for his hospitality. Verse 5, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. Hospitality is a commendable thing. Those who practice it are doing good work. They are doing godly work. When we practice hospitality, we are doing something that is noteworthy, something that is deserving of special mention and special praise. Gaius and Demetrius are worthy of special commendation, according to John, because they are being hospitable, Whereas Diotrephes is deserving of special rebuke because he is refusing to show hospitality to the Christian missionaries of the gospel that are coming uh, to that area. So the point of this letter in large part is to commend these men for practicing hospitality. And when we do so today, we are engaging in ministry that is worthy of commendation. And many of you do this. 
and it is a great thing. In fact, I have to tell you, I've had a number of occasions lately where I have heard of uh, someone new to the church being invited to someone's house or, you know, families that have been here together for a long time but really haven't connected before, starting to connect, and it is a wonderful thing. I love it when I hear these stories because it lets me know that this congregation is practicing Christian hospitality. So we see hospitality commended. And we see all through the New Testament that hospitality is not only commended, but it is commanded. Uh, So it's not as if uh, in the Bible we just see, oh, there's evidence of it, so let's commend a good thing. It, It goes beyond that. It's actually commanded in Scripture. And so I want to read several verses that show us how consistently the command toward hospitality shows up in the New Testament... And this is just a sampling of verses. We could, uh, we could list all kinds of verses uh, that, that go in this direction. So Romans twelve thirteen, Paul writes this. Share with God's people who are in need. Show, uh, I'm sorry, practice hospitality. So here hospitality is commanded and it is directed to be shown to God's people. 1 Peter 4, 9. Peter writes, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And this command follows an admonition that Peter gives to love one another deeply. So hospitality isn't to be a drudgery. It it, it isn't to be something that we just kind of have to force ourselves to do, but we're not very happy about it. It is an obligation, but it isn't to be done with an attitude of obligation. It's to be done with a, a joyful attitude. Hebrews 13, 2 says, "...do not forget to entertain strangers." For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. So strangers can be believers. Strangers can be unbelievers. So so this lets us know that hospitality goes beyond those we know and extends to Christians that we do not know. And it also extends to people who are unbelievers. And of course, other places in Scripture make this point uh, very clear as well. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.10 is uh, speaking of obligations for Christian widows. And it says that they should be, quote, well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, and helping those in trouble. And we could have pointed this out on any of these verses, but note that it does not say anything about giftedness. It just says to do it doesn't say if the Christian widow is gifted in hospitality. It just says Christian widows should practice hospitality. And here's something else that that verse lets us know. It makes clear that disadvantage and personal hardship don't exempt someone from the command to show hospitality. Even if our own circumstances are modest, even if our own circumstances are difficult, we are still commanded in Scripture to show hospitality. 1 Timothy 3.2 tells us that it's a qualification for being an overseer of the church. A person is to show themselves to be hospitable. And then in Acts 2.46, as well as many other places that we could look, uh, we see how important hospitality was in the early church as the early church had this practice of meeting together in two ways. One way they met together was in the, uh, every day in the temple courts, So in in a public place, in a public setting. And then they also had this other practice of breaking bread in their homes. 
and eating together with glad and sincere hearts. So the opening of your home to others, being hospitable, was vitally important to the early church. It remains vitally important today, even if it is sometimes overlooked. So hospitality is commended in Scripture, and hospitality is commanded in Scripture. Now, I think hospitality is one of those words that can be uh, a little bit difficult to uh, to define. You know, as I've used it over and over so far here today, we each have kind of infused it with our own understanding, our own ideas of what it means. But if we were asked to define it, if we were each to stand up and and, uh, you know, share our definition of hospitality, uh, we would come up with quite a few different ideas, I think. Maybe by the eighth or ninth person we wouldn't because we'd all just start mimicking the people who had gone before us. Uh, but, but we would come up with a lot of different ideas about what Christian hospitality is. Words I find are just notoriously difficult to, uh, to, to properly define if you really get down into all of the details. But I thought it might be helpful today to look at how the dictionary defines hospitality to look at a picture of hospitality in the times of the New Testament and then consider what it means today, at least as I uh, understand it. So here's the dictionary definition. The friendly reception and treatment of guests and strangers. The quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, and generous way. So understand this, it isn't just receiving people that is hospitality, it is receiving them in a friendly, warm, and generous way. You can house someone, you can host someone, and friendly, warm, and generous have no part of the equation. You may have experienced this with your in-laws. You may have housed them. You may have hosted them. You may have welcomed them and received them, but there was nothing warm, friendly, or generous in your reception. That is not hospitality. That is hosting, or probably even some word not as good as hosting. (laughs) Hospitality isn't just receiving. It is receiving them and treating them in a warm, friendly and generous way. So I think the dictionary definition is actually very good, very consistent uh, with what we see in Scripture about hospitality. But let's talk a few minutes of what hospitality looked like in the time of the New Testament. And to do that, we need to first understand that the circumstances they lived in then were quite different than the circumstances that we live in now. Now, they weren't so different from the circumstances that a lot of people in other parts of the world live in today, but they were very different from the circumstances that we in the United States, here in Ohio, in central Ohio, uh, live in today. Travel in that time and place was actually quite difficult and very treacherous. Uh, travelers and uh, travelers were often and routinely the target of robbers, and uh, they were vulnerable in a way that we really can't relate to in our time and place. And places to rest from your travel were were also usually not very safe. Uh, inns at that time were nothing like the motels and hotels that populate the interstate system here in the U.S. Uh, to stay in um, an inn in that day was likely to stay in a vermin-infested brothel. 
was probably what, uh, what was going to be available to you. And, and it was to be in a place where the innkeeper was probably looking for a way to take advantage of you and where you might not have been that much safer than you had been out on the road. You know, my family has taken a couple of vacations this, uh, this summer and uh, we took a western road trip and I refused to stay in some places on our uh, road trip that would have been perfectly safe, that were perfectly or at least close to perfectly sanitary and uh, where we could have rested perfectly well. But they did not meet the standards of quality that I prefer to lay down and sleep in. People in that time and place had no such luxury. Such things just were not available to them. So hospitality in those days was an absolute necessity to help guard the physical safety of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Often, as Gaius is commended for, hospitality in the New Testament uh, was shown to traveling missionaries, traveling teachers, preachers, uh, ministers of the gospel who were traveling from place to place spreading the good news of Christ. And these people, uh, hated as they were, were often even more vulnerable. And so hospitality was even uh, more important. And uh, hospitality among Christians was just absolutely essential for the safety of their brothers and sisters. Uh, this uh, responsibility to hospitality extended beyond traveling uh, missionaries and ministers of the gospel and just extended to all Christians and, and anybody that was traveling that was uh, of the faith. But this duty also extended to unbelieving strangers. As Christians understood, as we should understand today, that all are loved by God, that Christ has died for all. And so just as decent, caring human beings... They did not want to see people under the kind of threats that they were out on uh, the the traveling passageways. And and so they would welcome and receive people into their home, treat them with warmth, friendliness, and generosity, even if they were unbelievers. So this is the context of Christian hospitality uh, that we see here in 3 John. And it gives us a picture of what Christian hospitality looked like in that time and place. The other significant aspect of Christian hospitality in that time and place was what we read about in Acts 2, meeting regularly in homes for fellowship, uh, for studying uh, the apostles' teaching, for eating together, and, and just being the church together, living in community with one another. The church did meet publicly, but it was largely a house church movement. So, so these two things go a long way uh, toward painting a picture of what hospitality was like in that time and place. House churches and providing for the physical safety of traveling brothers and sisters. But what about here and now? How are we to do this? What, what is it to look like uh, here? Well, the Christian church in the U.S. is not uh, largely a house church movement. Uh, They do exist, and in other countries they're much more common, but here it is the exception. But what is not unusual here is for churches to emphasize small groups as a vital expression of community life within a larger body of believers. And so people in 2014 who host small groups in their home 
are practicing a form of Christian hospitality that is very similar, very consistent with what we see in the New Testament. And by the way, I'll just take a minute here to say that two weeks from today, we will have our fall uh, small groups directory available to you. Um, They will start the week after Labor Day. And uh, we would strongly encourage and will between now and then be strongly encouraging you guys to make good uh, on the appeal that I made and the implied commitment I received from you uh, way back at the beginning of the year that we would be a church who would commit to small groups. So be looking for that. You excited to see the small group directory for the fall? Yes. Okay. And... And all of the groups, most of the groups, not all, most of the groups are hosted in homes. And those people are practicing Christian hospitality very similarly to how it looked in the New Testament. And, uh, and we appreciate their commitment to, to doing that. But when we move beyond small groups in our time and place, hospitality won't look quite the same as it did in that time and place because our circumstances are so very different. And there are lots of ways we could could talk about this. You know, traveling missionaries or itinerant evangelists or any other variation of Christian minister that travels in the United States today is not under threat. They are not in physical, at least in most cases, in physical danger. And so it is very infrequent that we have the opportunity in our time and place uh, to show hospitality uh, with the same type of urgency and function as what was needed then. But we are still called to be hospitable. We're still called to it, even though the circumstances uh, are different. We are often called today to be generous because missionaries today have every bit the financial need that that there was uh, in that time and place. They need our support. They need our generosity. But but a lot of these details just are not the same. Our circumstances don't match theirs. Go beyond traveling missionaries and uh, traveling ministers of the gospel and just think about Christians traveling from one place to another uh, in our context. It is very different. When you travel across the country, you are not uh, vulnerable to attack. You are uh, you know, traveling in a nice car. You're staying in a nice hotel. You're in very little danger. Most of us have the resources to provide for our own food. And so hospitality today in our context does not have the same urgency or function that it did then, but we are still called to be hospitable. We still need to show hospitality, and each of us can still benefit from receiving hospitality. And so with these differences, what should Christian hospitality look like today? Well, let's look back at our text and find a couple of principles in there uh, about hospitality that can be applied in any time and any place under any circumstances. And we find these principles in verse 6. Here's what it says. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Send them on their way. In a manner worthy of God. So hospitality is the friendly reception and treatment of guests and strangers. The quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, and generous way. And John tells us how we do this. 
We are to show it in a manner worthy of God. Some translations say in a manner that honors God. This simply means that we are to uh, receive and treat guests as God would receive and treat guests. That we are to be kind and generous in showing hospitality just as God would. As if God himself were showing hospitality to these people. And this principle works for any time and place. Whether the circumstances are like the first century church or like Christians in dangerous parts of the world face today, or if the circumstances are like we have here in the United States, we should show hospitality in a manner that is worthy of God, in a manner that honors God. We are to show hospitality as God himself would show it. And then the second principle is also found in verse 6. You will do well to send them on their way. And then it concludes within a manner worthy of God. And John MacArthur writes about this, that the only appropriate way for Christians to send guests on their way in that time and in our time was refreshed and fully supplied for the next stage of their journey. So this is the goal of Christian hospitality, to send those we show hospitality to on their way refreshed encouraged and supplied because that's how God would do it. So principles that transcend time and place show hospitality in a manner that honors God and that means sending people away refreshed, encouraged, and supplied. This is the goal of Christian hospitality. This gives us a definition of hospitality that we can apply across time and across places. So if we were to kind of put together everything that I've shared today about hospitality, here's a definition that I think would be kind of our our working definition. Hospitality is receiving guests in a warm and friendly way, welcoming and treating them as God himself would, so that when they leave you, they are refreshed, encouraged, and supplied. Friends, Christian hospitality is so much more than entertaining though entertaining can certainly be a part of it. Its aim is beyond entertainment. Its aim is that the other person would benefit from their time with us, that they would benefit from their time with me, that they would benefit from their time with you. So what does all of this mean for our practice of hospitality today? Well, there are just dozens, hundreds of things that, that we could say to apply this. But, but first I want to say here that for our practice of hospitality today, I think we first need to dispense with a false idea. And I mentioned this a couple of times already. It is the idea that only those who are gifted in hospitality should practice hospitality. This idea is simply wrong. It is as wrong as the notion that only those who are gifted in evangelism should share their faith. It's just a wrong idea. You don't need a gift for hospitality to show it. Anyone who has a heart for God, who has a desire to be obedient to him, and just a little bit of God-given concern for brothers and sisters in Christ and people in general can and should show hospitality. 
Next, our practice of hospitality today can be very similar to the practice we see in the New Testament in terms of opening up our homes for fellowship, breaking of bread, and teaching. As I mentioned, the early church was largely house churches. In our context, it's small groups, but these two things look very similar uh, to one another. And again, I appreciate and thank those of you who open up your homes to groups. And here's something that I am praying happens. I'm praying that in the next year, we need a lot more homes opened up to small groups here in this church. And here's what I'm praying. That those of you who call this your church home will show yourselves hospitable by opening up your homes when the time comes that we need them opened up for more small groups. The third thing. Practicing hospitality in the United States is going to look much different than it did in the early church. But that does not make it less important. And I hope nothing I have said here today would leave you with the impression that it's less important. I just wanted to acknowledge it's different. People may not need refreshed, encouraged, and supplied in exactly the same ways in our circumstances as they did in that time and place. But let me ask you a few questions. How many of you today would agree that you come in contact with a lot of people who you can sense they need refreshed? Let's see a show of hands. You, You find people all the time and you say they need refreshed. How many of you interact with people on a regular basis and when you leave them, you, you just think to yourself, oh, they are so discouraged. I can tell that they need some encouragement. How many different ways do people in, in our time and place need supplied for their journey? Even if it isn't necessarily physical supplies that that they have a need of. What this means, and I think you looked around, you saw all of the hands that were raised. And so what this means is that the practice of hospitality remains vitally important today. It's different in our context, but it is no less important. And unfortunately... This is too often an overlooked ministry opportunity. I can personally tell you of the refreshing and encouragement that I've received due to people being hospitable to me. Uh, It's happened many times in this church uh, when someone will invite us over and we just have a good time together. Uh, It's happened many times here. Uh, During our recent Western Road trip, we stayed with friends of ours in Texas for a few days and uh, just being in their company... Uh, sharing dinner at their dining room table, uh, just just seeing their church and hearing about the work that they're doing for the Lord and the place that God has placed them, it was refreshing. It was encouraging. Even hearing some of the common struggles that we have and share with them, uh, noting that others share the same burdens that, that we share, even that is an encouragement. And by the way, this is one of the most uh, common encouragements I have noted about small groups. Uh, You know, before coming to the Vineyard in 1997, I wasn't a part of a a church structure that valued small groups, but starting in 97, when we came to the Vineyard, we've uh, been committed to small groups most of the time since then. 
And uh, here's one of the main things I've noted that I benefit from small groups. I go and I fellowship with people who face the same struggles I face, who face the same temptations I face, who love the Lord the way I do, but fail him from time to time like I do. And I am encouraged just by the fact of knowing I'm not alone. I'm encouraged just, it's almost weird in a way. I'm encouraged by hearing how difficult things are for everybody else. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, it's not just me. We all have these difficulties. And so I can leave and we could have shared all kinds of awful things at group. I got this problem and I got that problem. And I leave like, I leave feeling better because I'm not the only one with a problem. And we're all just pressing into Jesus for help with our problem together. And it's weirdly encouraging. That probably wasn't the best sales pitch in the world for small groups, but, but it is one way you can try to, uh, to pitch small groups. Here's something else I want us to consider for hospitality in our time and place. Some of you may disagree with this because you want to be very technical, but uh, I think you can practice hospitality without even having someone into your home. I'm convinced you can do that. Uh, Part of our trip, uh, the Western Road trip, was being in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I preached at a church that a good friend of mine pastors there, and we did not stay in their home. But they showed us incredible hospitality, even though we didn't stay in their home. They paid for the hotel we stayed in. While we were there, that is the best form of hospitality. (laughs) Cause then I don't have to stay up and visit with you till midnight, but I'm still cared for. And, uh, they, uh, (laughs) I understand the contradiction. I just, they bought every meal that we ate with them. That's hospitality. I didn't have to be in their home to feel like these people were being hospitable. They gave me an extremely generous honorarium for preaching. Covered almost our entire trip. Yeah, yeah. That's supplying. That's right. That's right. So I'm going to suggest that amount for my new weekly salary here at the church. (laughs) We did not stay in their home is my point, but we were welcomed and we were received in a friendly way. We were treated, I believe, as God himself would treat us. We were sent on our way refreshed, encouraged, and supplied. I believe that's Christian hospitality. And I greatly benefited from it. I believe you're practicing Christian hospitality when you just break out of your normal circle of friends and do something as simple as invite someone to lunch with you. Some of you could do this yet today. Invite someone new to lunch with you. It's Christian hospitality. I cannot tell you how many times I have been encouraged just by that simple act of having lunch with someone. And here's the thing. Now, with what I just shared about how nicely we were treated, some of you are not going to appreciate my next comment. But 
I think you can practice hospitality even if you don't pay for the other person's lunch. And here's why. Most people in our culture have the ability to pay for their own meal. But what they don't have the ability to do for themselves is have you invite them into, their, into your life. They can pay for the meal. But they can't for themselves have you invite them into your life. So there are many ways that we can practice hospitality. And here's what I'm going to ask of all of us here today, that you would take this definition of hospitality and you would ask God to show you how he wants you to start to walk this out. How does he want you to show hospitality? And here's a little encouragement for you, because I think sometimes we get hung up on some things we don't need to get hung up on. The Life Application Bible Commentary uh, shared this thought on hospitality that I thought was so good. Hospitality, contrary to popular belief, does not require a fancy residence, fine china, or a gourmet six-course meal. It simply calls for being willing to welcome and support those who need a break. Why not invite someone over today and practice, the, and practice the amazing power of hospitality? Few ministries are as life-changing. I completely believe that. So how are you doing with showing hospitality? I am firmly convinced it is one of the most dynamic ministry opportunities that any of us have. And so my prayer for this congregation today is that we would show hospitality to each other and that we would increasingly be willing to also show hospitality to the unbelievers that God places in our lives. Friends, this is a great opportunity we have to impact people for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for eternity. Show them hospitality. Don't neglect this important ministry. Receive and welcome people warmly, treat them as God would, and send them on their way refreshed and encouraged. We will do so much good for eternity if we heed this encouragement of John that we ought to show hospitality. Why don't you stand?